Welcome aboard, ladies and gentlemen. It's Nick and Janelle, and this is another episode of Beyond the Vow. Uh, this is episode five, I believe, and mm-hmm. uh, we've got four more of these. I'll call them catastrophes if you want to go back and listen to them. Not really, uh, <laughs> but um, they they all address different things, and uh, you're more than welcome to go back and, and uh, check them out and see what we've got to say and what we talk about. Um, but this one is going to be dealing with um, the adjustments that have to come with married life. That's heavy. Yes, that's heavy. I was talking about that today. I said, <laughs> you know, I use that word heavy. I don't know where I got that from. Like, dude, bruh, that is heavy. I don't, I don't know where that came from. But um, it is, it, it's kind of a heavy thing because when you look at the divorce rate in the country, Obviously, people uh, at some point just don't get along. And what's the what's the reason that they always give in the divorce papers? It's always like, uh, there's a, I'm drawing a blank. It's like basically there's like differences that you just cannot overcome. Ir- irrevocably. Irrevocable differences. Like, okay, Tom Brady just got a divorce with, uh, what's her name? Giselle Brunchen or whatever her name is. I can't remember her name. Anyway, I don't even know who those people are. So Tom Brady's quarterback for the Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he is going into like, he's playing and he's like, I don't know. I think he's 45 years old now. He's like, obviously, I think he's got to be like the oldest quarterback to ever play. Uh, but I think there was a disagreement between him and his wife as to um, him playing. And I guess they must have really had a disagreement about it. And I think there have been rumors that like they were having issues and they recently just filed for divorce and everything like that. And I think it's because I don't know, can't tell you for certain, but you know, from what I understand, according to ESPN and stuff like that, you know, he really loved playing football. She's like, no, you're going to spend time with family or whatever. Must've been the argument. And he took football and guess what? He's not doing so hot this season. And it's just like, you literally have lost your wife. Your family's getting split and whatever else is going on. And boy, you sure hope you, it's worth it, man, you know, for what you decided to do. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of a, a wild reason for why you would have a difference that you just can't get over. Uh, but there are differences that you have to agree on, things that you have to make adjustments to when you get married. And they're not always there, and you start to discover them mm-hmm. the further along you go. And, um, I mean, are we technically considered newlyweds? I mean, we, we've been married, married over, year, we've so. been married over a year. I think technically we're no longer newlyweds. Okay. So, but we still discover things and we still make adjustments and uh, get used to things. My parents have been married for almost 40 years and they're still finding things that they're, because things evolve. Yeah. Things change. So we wanted to talk a little bit about, it's an important thing. Um, that you uh, understand what you're getting into when you get married to somebody, but then also having that that drive and that understanding that regardless of what differences arise, you're going to find a compromise. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the further along you go in your relationship, the next thing you know, you got little ones that are involved. And you have to find compromises. We're not making any announcements at this time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we're not. No, that's not what this means. That's not what that means. We're just saying that, you, you know, there are people out there, like, they might go five, six years down the line, have a couple of kids, and then all of a sudden, like, you know what? There's just something about you I really don't like. Well, you know, in many ways, you know, I think you're going to have to just tough it out, and you're going to have to find a way to agree to disagree, uh, because now there's not just your lives at stake uh, and your well-being. It's now the well-being of other kids, you know, that are that are now there. Um, so we're just going to kind of go over to some things, like things that just popped up from our from each of us when yeah. we got married. Things we started to uh, notice, and I'll just launch right in. So I think it's something that there was obviously a difference in of opinion for how it was handled was security. Do you want me to give the back of my security in my house? Sure, go for it. Okay. So, I am a very trusting person. Yes. I lived in a very safe neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I had a very large dog. And little things around the house that were... I had guns in the house. Mm-hmm. There was one beside my bed. Um, and there was one in the kitchen. So, I mean... I slept with my windows open at night. 
um, sometimes I forgot. Now my mom did not like this, but sometimes I would forget to sh- shut my door, my front door. So just be the screen. Um, now when Kiefer died, that all stopped. I slept with the windows open, but I was better at keeping my door shut. Um, I would forget my garage door open and leave it open all night. And, um, I finally got a MyQ garage door opener where it, I could set a time and every night at 10 o'clock, my garage door went down. Um, one day my car was parked halfway out of the garage and the MyQ started and the garage started, the door started to go down because it didn't, mm-hmm. it was sitting so still the, the I-beams were. It was under your car. Yeah, it was under my car, so it didn't register. So I just, yeah, it was a panic mode, but um, I... Even if my door was shut, it wasn't always locked. Um, so I didn't, the back door was never locked. I mean, I had a giant doggy door in it, so it wasn't Yeah. like that would stop somebody. So I, my sense of security was I like my windows open. I like my window blinds open. I like to see outside. It makes me very nervous to not see outside. Um, and then you entered my life and you were completely opposite. Yeah. So I had a different perspective on that. So growing up, the um, neighborhood that I lived in was not a bad neighborhood initially. Uh, Got a little bit older and there was a drug presence that came in probably around. uh, Let's go maybe, I don't know, four blocks over, five blocks, something like that. It was a big apartment complex. And drugs became very heavy there. As a matter of fact, drugs were so heavy there that eventually there was a church in that area that the church itself decided they were going to do something about it. So I think it was like once a a week or on Sundays or whatever, they would march like Jericho, like Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. They marched around the apartment block and sang hymns and whatnot. And the drug guys got so weirded out they left. (laughs) literally that worked. And so that cut down on a lot of that at that point. Now I'm, I don't know how things are now, but, um, so here's what happened to me. I, my back, my idea of security is it it better be secure and it better have a lot of fallback, like fallbacks. What happened to me was, um, from, from my background, I was a kid. I was at that age where I was able to stay at home. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't old. I was probably, uh, I wasn't even a, I don't know. I wasn't, I was probably 11, maybe something like that. Somewhere in there. It's old enough to stay home by yourself yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. So I, I was at home and originally we were going to go to church. So the church that we went to was actually kind of where mom and dad live now in that, in that vicinity. And at the time we lived in South Point. So it's about a good 40 minute drive, something like that. 45 minute drive in that neighborhood. And so I was going to go to church and my stomach was hurting me really bad. You know what? Thinking back on it now, maybe that was all God kind of working in order for that person. Anyway, for the situation, no one could have been home and we could have come home to a different situation if nobody had been there. You could have come home to your house empty instead of you traumatized. So here's what happened. I'm like, I'm sick. My stomach hurts. Like, okay, you can stay home. I said, okay. So we had a computer, and um, I guess I was young enough to where I was on the computer or something. Uh, maybe I was playing a game. I don't know what I was doing. But it was in the den, and we had where the driveway was at. You would come down the sidewalk at 15 feet, 20 at max, and there's the door, screen door, and then the main door behind it, the wood door, that would take you into the den and into the kitchen. So I'm in the den. Mom and dad leave, you know, maybe eight, eight minutes later, something like that. I'll say, let's say five to 10. Um, I hear somebody try the screen door and I have locked it. And I hear somebody push down on the button on the screen door and it's like, click, 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 click. And immediately I thought, dad's forgot something. And he's, he's back. I said, dad, I said, is that you? Probably the wrong thing to say because whoever this was, was like, oh, this kid's home alone. If he's asking for his dad. And he could obviously see that the car was gone. And the next thing I hear is, 
bam! And this guy, after the fact we found out, had kicked that screen door hard enough to where he split it where the handle was. Mm. This was not your average little tin kind of metallic. Everybody knows the typical little screen door that's like a metal kind of thin with the screen window. No, this was a much thicker thing. He hit it so hard. Whether he kicked it, hit it with a hammer, I don't know. But he split that door around that lock. This is a metal door, and he, like, split that. And I heard that, like, after he kicked it, immediately I was like, got to do something. I have to react. And I told Mom about this after it had happened. Um, but without them knowing, and uh, this is a good as a warning to your parents, to parents out there, you know, always be aware of where you've got firearms hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, because your kids may know where they're at and, uh, it could lead to good things or bad things, <laughs> probably more <laughs> bad things than good. Um, in my case, I had a healthy respect for guns. I had never gone to a range. I don't even know if I'd ever fired one, but I knew how they operated because what I had done secretly is when mom and dad were gone in those times when I was staying home, I went in and I knew where the 410 shotgun was kept. And I would practice loading, unloading, loading, unloading, because I thought if the day may come, somebody might try to get me. And I don't know why I thought that, but I wanted to be able to fire that. Now, it was just a single shotgun. You literally broke it open, put the shell in, closed it up. You um, it had a little lever on the top that you would flip, and it would open up. I don't know if it was a Winchester, Remington, whatever it was, but it's a single shot. I bolted into that living room, into that bedroom. Dad had a tin cam where he kept a lot of these shells and things at the time. And I fished around, and I real quick got a, four, got a couple rounds. I don't know, maybe, I think, I think I may have had a couple. I had maybe two in my pocket and one in the gun. So, hey, I'm going to have to reload and empty another one into the dude. <laughs> and I, I load it, went into the kitchen, and I think I may have cocked the gun and I aimed it at the door. As I come into the kitchen, I hear the screen door open. So he had breached the screen door now as a result of kicking it, and I heard him turning the doorknob on our, inner, in our interior door. And I took the gun and I pointed it at the door, and I said, if you come through that door, I said, I'll kill you. I have, oh, I said, I have a 410 shotgun aimed at the door, and if you come in here, I'll kill you. And all of a sudden, there was silence. And on the other side, you had slats that you could kind of, I think he was able to see through slightly. And I think as I, if I'm a bad guy and I'm trying to break in, if I hear a kid tell me, I have a 410, not everybody knows, everybody knows 12 gauge, people know 16 gauge, 410. I think it has to, it has to take a certain person to say, I have a specific caliber like a 410 pointed at the door. And I think he was able to look and see there's a barrel of a gun aimed at that door. (laughs) And I had committed in my heart that as soon as that door opened up, I was going to pull the trigger and I was going to blow that guy wide open. And I've sometimes thought about that afterwards, thought, what if he would have opened the door and I would have shot him? I think it's something that I probably would have had to have therapy over, you know, as a kid inside, I would have felt, you know, you had the audacity and the, the stupidity and the nerve to try to come in and harm me. So guess what? I'm going to harm you, boy. Because you try to come in and hurt me. You're going to hurt my family? Who, who else would have been here? You're going to try to come in on us. You idiot. Like, how dare you? How dare you do that? And um, he, it's, there was a long pause. And all of a sudden, I heard the screen door slowly close. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I am not trying that. <laughs> and he goes on to the next house, and I hear a car alarm kick off. And I stood, I, I was there with the gun the whole time. And mom and dad came home. I told them what happened, and they could see the door was split. I think we talked to the neighbors, had the sheriff coming out, and this person had gone from house to house trying to break in mm. and tried to break into their cars, and it kicked their alarm off. When that happened, and I've told my wife this, he never broke into our house, but in a way I think he broke into my mind. Because from that point on, security became of the utmost importance to me. Locks, extra screws that hold in the dead, hold in your hinges for your doors, uh, so that way you can't breach the doors as easily. Uh, like the extra kick bolts things on the mm-hmm. door, having the cameras, having the firearms. You know, now it's not just a four ten shotgun. You know, there's a little more deadlier stuff now, mm-hmm. and um, so. The big thing for me was with that background, having to work to a compromise with my wife, because I think that the breaking point came 
when I had this little lever, like a little bar Mm -mm. that it was a little bar with a little uh, square end piece. And it would just, you'd set it down on the carpet and prop it up underneath the door. And she was like, we can't do this because I feel like I'm a prisoner in my own house. At the time. You chuckled at me. You (laughs) put it under the door and went to bed. Mm -hmm. And it went too well. I didn't sleep at all because I kept thinking, and this was always, this is always in my head. Mm -hmm. I have to go through so many locks to get out. What if someone is in here? What if my only way is to get out and I have to open 14 locks to get out? Like I have to go two locks on the, on the door and one on the screen door. What if I'm not fast enough because someone is in here and my only way is to get out? That has always been one of those things. We also had to compromise on um, like the kick, the kick. Um, that bolt thing on the, the door. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind it being on the outside doors, but, he, and, but you were, when we first moved in, you wanted to put one on our bedroom door. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I wanted to do that. Um, let me tell you, when you move to a new place, there are, it, this kind of merges into another adjustment, the house itself. For the first week or two after we got married, I didn't sleep at all in here. When I say week or two, I mean the when we were actually here. Like, mm-hmm. we obviously went on a honeymoon and came back. But for at least one, maybe, let's say a month, sleeping was terrible. And it was because there's sounds from the house. I'm not used to that. Like, I'm used to another home. I'm not used to this one. And already having that mind that's in that security gear... You're already like, what was that? Is that somebody coming? What, what's that noise? And the, there were no, I had no eyes on anything, no cameras. There was no German shepherds, nothing like that. And it was just like, in my mind, there was just this constant fear that somebody's just on the other side of the door and they've, they've breached and they've got in. And I really think it goes all the way back to when I was a kid. I'm sure. And that person had tried to get in. And in my mind, it was like, never again. Never. That will never happen again. And um, so, uh, you know, obviously, as time went on, you got used to things. You got used to the noises. And then you end up with two German shepherds. And you get used to the cataclysmic amount of noise that your two cats make every night as they run (laughs) through the house partying. (laughs) You know, and um, I'll be honest with you, if somebody was going to try to break into this place, you know, or, or whatever, they're an idiot. Because mm-hmm. you have two German shepherds that literally would take one look at you and go, bruh, what neighborhood are you in? And like, it would be the worst mistake of their life. <laughs> you know, and the dogs have a different, the dogs are like, oh, if we're up and we open the door and let you in, the dogs are like, oh, we're chill with you. We're fine with mm-hmm. you. But if you are not that kind of a person, oh no, you're on, you're on the hit list. You know, and it's not good. And which I want that. The dogs know who the neighbors are. Mm-hmm. They even know the people that walk up and down the road now. They know who's normal and who belongs. There was a dude that came with his dog and was coming down the, the road here. He had ne- like we had never seen him before. They had not seen him before, and they were they went wild. It was like, hey, th- there's a weird guy out here to them. There's a weird guy out here. He shouldn't be here. And we didn't stop him. No, I didn't. No, we didn't stop him at all. It's like that's that's fine. I want that behavior. I want a stranger who's coming into our neighborhood. This is an enclosed neighborhood. There's one way in, one way out. There's about, what, 12 houses maybe, something like that? And we are the one way in and the one way out. Yeah, where we live is at the entrance. I always This house is almost like the gatekeeper, if you will. And when you come into this, when you come down this road, there are two German shepherds that watch everything coming and going. And there's cameras and, and whatnot. There's, there's a guy <laughs> near the church in Huntington. You're not that anywhere guy, near him. No one will ever touch that dude. He's got cameras watching his cameras, watching his cameras. <laughs> that is way overkill. Oh. That is way overkill. That is overkill. I even look at that and I go, dude, that's even weird for me, man. <laughs> what are you doing? But um, yeah, that was that was an adjustment period for me, was having to get used to that. Because of there was a fear there. Now, as time went on, there was a comfort that kind of to come in that that overtook me. And I had to pray a lot about it. I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. Because there was a point where I was eating my cereal here one morning. And um, I was just like, Lord, this doesn't feel like home yet. This is just a couple weeks in. I'm in this house. We're new to this house. 
and everything. We're it's new not, to each other. I mean, technically, we lived in the same house, separate bedrooms at your parents' house when yeah. I moved in be, before that. But we were still, that was under someone else's roof. Yeah. This was where we were responsible for everything. Right. We were the ones that were living together. It was just us two. Yeah. You came from a chaotic, I mean, when I say chaos, I mean noise. Yeah. Level in your house that was all the time. So that became a comfort for you. That actually drove me almost over the edge in that five weeks just because I came from a house because I had my own house and it was just me and my house. So therefore, I had to get used to not being able to have the windows open and the blinds open. And that made me feel very closed in. And we had this conversation just, I think, yesterday where sometimes I still have to fight against the feeling like, I'm closed in because I can't see out because the blinds yeah. are always down and you know, I'm home during the day now with my job. So all of the blinds go open, yeah. all the windows go open. Um, you come home, you get up from your nap, you close them all. Like it, it's just one of those things that we do. I like doors open. You like doors closed. If it's going to make you yeah. sleep and if it's going to make you more comfortable, that is a compromise that I'm willing to make because it's not something that it's something that I can, I can adjust to. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a trauma. You did. So therefore, I mean, I still have my boundaries, like I'm not going to put a kick bolt on our bedroom door and the thing on our bedroom door yeah. bothered me. Those were things that I realized we, we could live without. And really what alleviated a lot of that was the dogs. Because you have two dogs that have complete control over the house at night, or like where they, they know what's going on. They can watch everything. And for somebody to come in, th that would just be the worst mistake ever. And trust me, you would wake up to hearing the carnage of that poor person trying to get back out the window they came. You know, <laughs> trying to go back right. out the way they came. Um, and Which is why the ultimate goal is to uncrate the dogs so that they are yeah. free roaming in the house at night. Um, but they would still... We used to shut the, their door so they couldn't see down the hallway. Now their door is open so they can see whatever's going on in the house. So if someone came in here, Mika would, hopefully Mika would bark. I think she would. I think she would sense that there was something not right and she would start. And then when she started, Kaiser would um, and definitely would wake us up and then we could take care of the problem. Yeah, so having dogs uh, for me, you know, and not having like a little ankle biter that you can just kick out of the way, you know, or whatever. Like somebody could break in and just give it a swift kick and that's the end of the fight. But here, you know, you get chomped on by these guys and it's it's bad news bears. And Mika's not letting go. No, Mika's, if there could have ever been a canine unit, it's Mika. Oh my word. Fastest dog I've ever seen in my life. She's faster than Kaiser. She's agile and she has a very dominant bite. She's very sure of her bite. She will chomp down and it's lights out, not letting go. He will kind of be shifty with his bite. She's just chomp. It's over. That's it. Not letting go. You know? <laughs> um, so the house was, was, was something that you kind of had to get used to as well. So, I mean, there's obviously a security aspect of it. There's a house you have to get used to it. Um, there's, the other, another thing was um, family. Um, you go from having one family to all of a sudden having two families. Mm -hmm. And with that, it means, uh, well, I always joke, like split custody when it comes to uh, holidays. Mm -hmm. So one year we go to Thanksgiving, uh, your parents' house, and then Christmas here, and then the next year we flip. So uh, last year... Uh, I had Thanksgiving with my folks, and we went to your all's place for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was a bit of a change, you know, because I'm used to Christmas with everybody, and everybody's right. there having Christmas, and it's like, yeah, you're you're here. And but it's a willing sacrifice to make, and I love being with your family and hanging out with them and everything like that. But it was definitely different because you're used to being with your folks, right? Um, so having that with that family, like you, you marry the person, you marry the family. You do, you know, and there's a lot of new, there can be new concerns, there's new victories, there's new losses, and you all share in that. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that was also a change. That was a change as well. And you had to literally live at the house with us. You got, you, you were like in with the family, yeah. you know? So you were, you went from eight years of being on your own to all of a sudden for like a month or so having to uh, be at that house 
and it was pretty tight, but we made it work and then we you know, moved here. But the day we got possession is the day I moved in. Yeah. I just need it. And it was nothing against, I will always be forever grateful that your mom and dad let me move in to their home for that five weeks. But I was ready for some space because yeah. I was not used to living with five other adults. Yeah. And it was, you know, you, you can't, um, dress how you want to. You can't because you have other people, a future brother-in-law and, um, a father-in-law <laughs> yeah. that may see you in leggings instead of, you know, so you have to stay dressed all the yeah. time and can't be in your pajamas. And so it was, um, it was an experience, yeah. but some definitely a huge adjustment. Um, the other kind of adjustment, but we kind of made it its own episode was the previous episode. If you listen to episode four, we discussed all about the animals, the animals, the animals, you know, the cats and the dogs. And that was a lot of getting used to as well. More for you than me. It was like, think about the changes we did. Like we're, we're newlyweds. It's a new house. And then we have a new dog, like right a few weeks later, mm-hmm. we have a dog. Then we have two dogs. And all you're, you're getting to know all that as well as finding your way around the house, still like understand finding switches that you're like, what do these even do? There's still one in the hallway that I don't know what does and it's driving me nuts. I have no clue. I asked the guy about it. He's like, it controls lights in this certain location or whatever, and they haven't worked. And so I'm thinking uh, there's like an out, outside light or something. Nice. Well, I think it's a bad bulb. That's <laughs> what I think it is. Before I go down that route, I'm going to say that I think the bulbs are burned. And so I just haven't put a new bulb in the thing yet because there's just been other things that we're trying to settle in with and, and get to, uh, to work. But, um, it's also kind of expensive. Yeah, it is like to settle into a new house. Like you're literally, uh, there's a lot that you have to buy. You wouldn't think you need, and then you need it. And then like in that one, one situation we had, we're using your riding mower and then your riding mower, like all of a sudden it's get up and go, got up and went. Like yeah. the transmission was going out on the thing. And I wonder what was happening because every time I would drive the thing, it got to where it was getting like slower and slower till you had the foot, your foot mashed in the gas per se. And it wasn't going anywhere. And it turned out that I talked <laughs> to um, uh, somebody who does a lot of lawnmower repair and asked him about it. And he's like, yeah, transmission's going out on it. And I thought it was just a Flatlander thing and it just didn't like hills. Yeah. It was a, uh, what was the brand on that thing? It was a Simplicity. 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 The deck is perfect. The engine is perfect. Oh, it looks yeah. beautiful because it, it was great. babied. Yeah, it cuts great. But I did research on that particular mower and found out that the transmissions in those things are like some of the lowest grade you can get, at least for that model, mm-hmm. that model. It's like a, I don't know if it's like a K46, K56, and it goes on up like a, way on up. Like the John Deere that, that mom and dad have, that thing has a really robust K-series engine. Like it's like, like you can maintain that one. This is a closed unit. You can't really yeah. add or whatever. You literally, it's like an all enclosed thing. It goes till it dies, you know, whereas on some of the more expensive transmissions, you can actually service those in, for the life of your mower. So uh, that was another expense because all of a sudden it was like hundreds of dollars or whatever. If you're going to try to get a transmission for that, no one really wanted to do anything with it at the time. Yeah. And that thing had manual steering. But I got my zero turn. You got yeah. So we got a zero turn. Went with a Cub Cadet and love that thing. It's a Z. It's a ZR ZT. It's a ZT one or a ZT two. I don't know. I forget. Anyway, it's a great mower, fantastic mower. And then we buy it, and then the dealer literally goes out of business. A few months later, he retired. He did. Uh, But there's another person like downtown Portsmouth that. that uh, is now going to service that mower. We're getting off topic here, but there's a lot of things that happen and you're not towels. We now have, instead of one bathroom, I have now have three Yeah, because we have a three bedroom, three bath home. And I had things for one bathroom. Yeah. You had zero things. Yep. So we had to get things for the other two bathrooms. Um, I had enough to ta- barely enough towels for one person. And then two there's people. two. So you have to buy towels. Um, and I don't like itty bitty towels. No, no, we have it, bath sheets for it has you. To be, it has to be bath sheet. I like the great big, big towels. So, um, and then there was also some of the things, because I had set up housekeeping, which made it a little less expensive than if we were super young, coming from our parents' homes, setting yeah. up, it's starting from scratch. I had some decor. I had um, pots and pans and like pretty much all the kitchen, but I felt like it was just mine. Mm-hmm. And I wanted our things. Like I didn't want 
things that were just mine that I chose. And I know you said you were fine with it, but I wanted things that were ours. When it comes to the kitchen, like legit, I could care less. I wanted our plates and our glasses. Oh, I, I see what you're saying from that regard. Like, it's like, like you have your stand mixer. I need my stand mixer, baby. No, that's not what we're, that's not what we're referring to. You know, it's like when I come into this kitchen, like that's your domain. I couldn't cook my way out of a paper bag. I could probably limp along and maybe I'd have subpar nutrition, you know, or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I, um, I under, this is your domain and you have full reign over it. Whatever you want, you get, I, I don't care. I honestly don't care. It's totally fine by me uh, because anything you decorate, anything you touch, anything you do, it looks great. And I'm like, Hey, you know what you're doing? I'm not interrupting that. You know, <laughs> why would I want to get in the way of that? So, um, yeah. So, I mean, and I'm the same in the garage in the barn. Yeah. It, it's I like, don't touch anything out there and I very rarely touch anything in the garage. Yeah. I just like the building. The building was like where I felt like I could kind of do my own thing where I could kind of add some things and, and make some changes or whatever. Um, in the office. I let you in have, the office. I have pretty much let you have complete, but we both share that. And I think like we've actually got our own uh, computer uh, area set up. We've got, uh, now that's one thing you had to get used to me was like, I love that whole RGB thing. I love the yeah, lights. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I love the lights. It just kind of they makes spilled it, into the living room too. They spilled into but the living room. But I really like the them. TV. Yeah, yeah. So like when you watch the TV, you're like if you turn on like YouTube or you watch a movie or something like that, you have like the lights behind it and it'll react to the scene. So it almost acts more immersive. So like when Kylo Ren breaks out a lightsaber, it's like you know things are really going down because your wall turned red. He's already come through that wall. But anyway, um, so there's. Um, there's just, there's, there's thing, there's changes that you make and you know, the whole security thing was probably a, that was a big one. I but think that was probably your biggest one. It, it was, but there was, I, we came to a compromise. We agreed to that compromise and we've worked with that compromise and I am completely fine. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. You're sleeping really good now. Yeah. Like a year later, over a year later and the more time I put into it, like you're sleeping in that bed, you're sleeping in that house and you start to build a pattern in your mind. Like, yeah, I am safe here. I am fine here. I do have two dogs. I do have my cameras. I got my guns. We also you know. have a sheriff that lives in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, and he comes through and does periodic checks throughout the night, you know, and we've got neighbors and, and folks that like, evidently like there's people that like just they're like night owls and they watch and things like that. So literally this is if somebody was going to come to a crime in this place, it would be a very bad place to do it. Like, I'm pretty sure everyone has cameras yeah, on. Like, and I mean, it's sad that we have come to a state of our nation that you have to have like that much security, that much security yeah. because you know, criminals have rights yeah. in your home. It, uh, my personal opinion is this. If a person broke into this house and I, and I heard the commotion and I come in here and he has somehow gotten past the dogs, you know, and he's, and he, and he's standing there. I would literally have, I, I'm not going to shoot him first, but here's my first thing. If, if I, if you're, if he's froze and I don't see a firearm or anything in his hands, that he's got an option, dude, get out of here now, or I'm going to kill you. You're in this house and you broke in. You should not be here. You are intending harm on my family. I'm going to give you an option to get shoot out that you door. Shoot you or go. Yeah, get out of here. And you you make one move though, and hey, you're 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 about ready to meet the maker. You know, you're going to meet Jesus, uh, and and he's not got good things to say to you. You know, <laughs> so um, that that I'm thankful where we live though, where it's it's a it's a nice little neighborhood. It's safe. It's very secure. Everybody watches what's going on. Everybody's the got kids cameras. play in the street. Yeah, legit. It's, it's kids it's, play in the street. It's a safe neighborhood. It really is. But it's really nice because it's isolated where it's got one way in one way out. Therefore, if you do come in, people know who's coming in. People know who's going out. They know if somebody strange should not be here. Uh, everything from dogs to cameras to law enforcement that live here. Like mm -hmm. it would just be a bad, a bad day. A really yeah. bad day for somebody to do something stupid in this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of think that if somebody did something like that and they did break in, I don't know if they'd get out alive out of this neighborhood. I really don't know if they would. I don't think so because I'm pretty sure that every home is armed. Oh, it'd be like there'd be an army that would come out and that'd be the end of, the end of that. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, it kind of, uh, I don't know how we kind of got off topic, but um, well, maybe we are kind of on topic. We derailed There's slightly. It's uh, just the adjustment, all of those yeah. adjustments, all those little things. 
you, you just, um, and where you came from, you came from and you, you went to a new state. Mm. You had a new culture. When I say culture, Southern Ohio is its own special blend. I moved to Appalachia. Yeah, it's it's kind of its own special thing, and and there's special training that I have to take at every job I've been to about the Appalachian culture. Yeah, a, a friend of mine was a uh, chiropractor, and um, she told me one time that they advised her not to go practice in the Ohio Valley because of the cancer rates. And I thought, you know what, with the a plant and all that stuff that was going on, the cancer rate is so stupidly high around here, and yet the government's like. Oh, you know, really, we don't know if it's really from those. You think it burying trash in the ground and getting it down into the to, into the water to the water table and everything else like that, mm-hmm. and people they breathe this stuff, and there's a reason why they want you to go work there, and they're offering you the top dollar pay because you're literally sacrificing your life for that pay because at some point you're going to end up at SOMC or wherever else, and you're going to be on cancer. You're going to have cancer or some know? lung issue. Yes. And you were really, really picky. That's why it took us so long. We couldn't live here. We found a house. It was really nice. It was on 14 acres, but it was closer to the A plant. We so were not going to be absolutely within. Absolutely no. I didn't want to be within any distance that was close to the A plant. No, not at all. I will not eat deer that have been shot near that thing, and deer have quite a range. Uh, you don't want anything to do crops or whatever. That's why even when we go to like farmers markets that are local around here, I kind of go, eh, where's that really from? If yeah. I'm forgive me, but if it's from certain areas within certain towns and I won't name them, but certain towns in that area, no, not eating it. And not it's nothing it. to do with the people that grow it. No. It's the fact that there's, it could be some pollution there. Yeah, it is. It is contaminated to the nth degree. I mean, they shut down that one school up there around Piketon because it was on the kids' desks. There was, they, they were, they were, uh, they were radioactive. And they were tracking this stuff into the school. And that's within the past, like, 10 years or so. Yeah. You know, and that's what, and, and so now they're shutting the thing down and they're literally going to bury every ounce of it underground, which, tell me how that's going to be a wonderful idea. Well, you know, it's just, I'm getting on a soapbox here. i got to watch out. But, um, you know, uh, there's a new, it's a new area. It's a new culture. Um, every tiny little thing had to change for me. My, okay, so we do have a Kroger. Which was pay less than Anderson. Yeah, you don't have Meyer. So I, but I don't have Meyer, and Meyer was my main shopping spot. I hate Walmart, and that is the only one. Mm-hmm. I don't have a Target close to me. I don't have a Hobby Lobby close to me. We do go to Hobby Lobby, but it's all the way in Ashland. But it's all the way. It's an hour drive. So those were like those were small things that I had to get used to. Not just running down the. Which is probably best for the checkbook, but. I can't just run into Hobby Lobby if I need something or I have to make a planned trip. I don't have a PetSmart around here. We have to go to Ashland for that. Um, This is stupid, but there's no drive-through Starbucks (laughs) in Portsmouth. (laughs) But there's there's one in Ashland. Why is Ashland having all these things? And why didn't we move to Ashland? So we seem to gravitate to Ashland. We bought our dogs in, in Ashland. Ashland. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and then, you know, and the things I didn't think about, like when I first, like I have to find, and, and these are totally girl things. I have to find somebody to do my hair. Yeah. Somebody that I trust because I'm very picky about my hair. But you didn't go to Ashland. But I didn't go to Ashland. You didn't go to Ashland. But I couldn't find somebody around here that wouldn't use Kim dyes and things that are full of chemical. So therefore I do my own hair. Mm-hmm. I only have it trimmed because I can't do that. Yeah. So I had to find somebody for that small thing. Don't get it done often, but I had to find somebody to do my nails because I'm very picky about those, especially when I'm putting acrylic on because I like it a certain way and I don't want it to be clunky. I had to try somebody out new for that. I had I went from a work from home job to a hospice job that I was spending 500 miles, you know, 500 miles a week in my car and getting lost without cell service and sliding off mountains. There's still mountains <laughs> yeah. to me. Yep. Hills um, to us, mountains to her because she comes from flat Indiana up there. It's true. And, you know, worrying about that. And I remember I was working for a ho- my, the hospice um, service that I first got, which was a great stepping stone job, paid well. Didn't have an issue until I did. Mm. And it was up and down hills. And I remember 
literally screaming in my car because my GPS was taking me around and around and around because of one closed road and I didn't know how to get around it and I had no cell service to call anybody. Yeah. So for an hour and 20 minutes, I went around and around. Finally, I gave up and went home that day. I yep. didn't even go back to the office. I was just done. And then I think it was the next week I was headed down the road, no cell service, couldn't find my client, literally crying and saying, God, you need to do one of two things. You need to fix the hills or fix my attitude. And when I got back into cell service, that's when the hospital had called me with a, with a job offer. <laughs> <laughs> that I didn't put, I had put that application in like months, months before. before I ever even yeah. moved here and they didn't have a full-time position. It was only contingent. And then a couple people left and, yep. and you know, I've recently changed. So I changed jobs three months after I, I moved. Yeah. So I was at the the hospice service for three months and then I moved. You're at the hospital for about almost a year, yeah, almost a year, it was 11 months. Yeah. And now you're working with another group. Yeah. And that is work from home. And, you know, I was very honest with, um, SOMC when I left them because it wasn't something people said, are you excited for your last day? No, no, I'm really not. Um, I had certain work goals, you know, we're trying to start a family when we have a kiddo in the house, mommy care before daycare. Like, and that has been both of our, yeah, our goals and our, um, values yeah. and to, um, get a work from home job was super important. And it just so happens that this job pays a lot more and I get to work from home yep. and I get to help people with therapy. Like I'm actually going to be a therapist now. Yeah. So, and the other thing we have to say is by you moving out of Indiana, you got away from the excise tax, that's what it's called, <laughs> which is absolutely yeah. stupid. Dumb. <laughs> like it, it's, I guess based on how new your vehicle is, they can literally charge you several hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. On your tags here, it's like your car is like 35, truck's like 45 a year, something along those lines. My 2016 um, Escape was, I think, the last tags I put on it, and I let them go for the entire year because I, <laughs> yeah. because I had paid so much for them. I think it was 277 Stupid. Because they say it goes back to help the roads or whatever else mm -hmm. kind of garbage. And let me tell you something. The roads there are not any better than here at all. That is garbage. Nope. Just blah. There's a meme that says a red dot for all of the potholes in Indiana and the entire state's a red dot. Yeah. The thing is, oh man, I don't want to get on my soapbox again. I could get on a, such a political role, but the thing is like you, you, the more money that, that comes in, the more that gets filtered out to places it shouldn't go. And the more it can be mismanaged and misused. True. And you give more money, it doesn't always fix the problem. It's like Huntington was raising that. Uh, they had a working tax. There was a, like a tax you got for working in Huntington. Didn't make the streets any better. It didn't do anything like that. Wait. It's just they kept, for working in Huntington, you got a tax. If work in Portsmouth, you have to pay a tax. I'm not lying. To work in Portsmouth, Ohio, the armpit of the state, just about, you have to pay a tax to work there. It's like a it's like a little tax they pay. Legit. People can't see my face, but it's very. It's very. You're 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 confused. You're wondering why. It's a privilege to work in Portsmouth. Didn't you know that? Oh, apparently. It's a privilege to work in Portsmouth. Oh yes, it's a very very wonderful place to be. So. So. <laughs> you're gonna have to work really hard to convince well, me of that one. There was a there was a situation that was raised where people that worked in like Wheelersburg, were like, I'm not going to because because at the time. Portsmouth was pulling money out of them because they viewed you as an, as an employee of SMC. They viewed that location as main campus. And people that were at like Wheelersburg were like, I never go to the main campus. I work only at Berg. Why are you taking money away from me? I don't even enter your crummy little town. It's <laughs> like what they were saying. And so Portsmouth that literally had to refund them. And, oh, and they don't, well. yeah. So if you work at like an urgent care or whatever, you're outside the city limits, you don't get charged that tax. But uh, really that kind of a thing is like, it's that, I think it's just a big rip. There are some things that I will vote for that I think are great. There are others that I think are not so great, and this need literally to be voted down. And I think it's just for people that are trying to money grub at that point. Uh, but there are some things that are that are feasible and that are good. Yes. Uh, but you have to really pick and choose. And I'm not about to like vote for anything just because I can vote for it. Okay, I'm not about to vote for a levy that adds money. I want to say this very carefully. 
to Child Protective Services. I worked for Child Protective Services, and I know that they... Oh, this is my soapbox. Yeah. Well, do we want to save that for another episode? Yeah, we'll save that. Yeah, because... Okay, so... that could get really... That could get wild. Ugly. Yeah, that could get wild. So, I have opinions. We'll just leave it at that. So what we need to do is save that maybe for a... Uh, We'll just we'll say that for the next time. Yeah, we'll just talk about various things maybe uh, coming up in episode <laughs> six. That's what we'll do. So, um, uh, And the other thing I was going to cover, last but not least, certainly not least, is um, definitely when you get married, you have another person that you share your spiritual growth with. That means share, like what we do is we either pray by ourselves or we'll pray together. Or we'll like read our Bible together or something like before we go to bed or whatever. I always read about a chapter and we'll sometimes either discuss it or, or whatever. And um, that's even a little bit of a change. Mm-hmm. But because now you're including somebody in that. Um, and God smiles at that. I think God enjoys that when he sees a couple that is actually uh, putting him first and is uh, praying and is reading their Bible and is communicating to him with, as a couple. Mm-hmm. And even, and, and I understand you still have time where you pray by yourself, you know, and, like I and keep you telling you, I have a thousand little prayers that I say all day long. Yeah. And you should. Uh, so that was also something to kind of get used to, you know, um, just kind of sharing that together. We started doing that when we dated though. We did, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. So that was on our always... many, many, many dates yep. on the phone. Yeah, we did. We'd, we'd pray, we'd uh, talk about different things. Because uh, it was some big decisions that we were having to make. Like, it was some it was some very big things. Like, yeah. me leaving Indiana was yeah. really big. The, if you remember the first thing we did in this house when we came in and there was nobody here, it was empty. And we literally prayed in this house. <laughs> we and we asked God, we said, God, we don't know the history of this house. I don't really know exactly what went on in here. Pretty sure they were Catholic. There were crucifixes over every doorway. Yep. Yep. And uh, I didn't know what the history was like, didn't know the good, the bad, didn't know any of that. But basically prayed and was like, God, and we just stood there and prayed. We're like, Lord, we want you, your spirit, to dwell in this house. We don't know what other spirits were present. We don't know what kind of things happened, horrible, whatever. But we are now in this house and we give you complete control in this home, complete permission to be in this home. Come into this home, fill it up, good things. Just just be here. We want you to live here. And I would think God probably is like, you know what? I appreciate that. You got it. You know, and and there's a comfort in this house. It feels nice. It feels good when I lay myself down to sleep at night. I feel like it's like a comfy feeling, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's something you get here. And I think that as a Christian, other Christians out there know what I'm talking about. If you're not saved, you don't know what I'm talking about. You will when you get on the other side of the tracks and you see it. It's different for you if you're not saved. If you're not saved and you hear us talk about stuff like that, it sounds foreign. But let me tell you something. When you get saved and you have a relationship with God and you repent and you say, Lord, I'm sorry for the way I lived. I accept your son, Jesus, save me, and you go the whole nine yards there. There is a change that comes over you. It affects the way you think. It affects the way you do things. It affects the, the things you say. And there's a, there's a change that begins in you, and it's completed upon your, your death and, or, and, and arrival to heaven. And you become a different person, a changed person, a better person. And when we came into this house, we wanted it to be a place that was open to God, open to his spirit, and a place where he could intervene and inter- and, and I say interfere. That's a, probably a harsh way of saying it, but he could he could do whatever he wants, mm-hmm. and he's welcome. And I really think that has helped in the adjustments. You know the other thing we did. What? We also dedicated our bedroom. Yeah, we did. We dedicated that. Like we, we dedicated the house. We really we did. did. We, we, but that was a sp- it was a specific. We did it here in the kitchen. Yeah. And then after we got married, we dedicated our bedroom because that is where. That is where the intimate moments of a couple are shared. Right. And we wanted everything that we do to be ordered by the Lord. When he decides it's time for a family to begin, that's up to him. He pulls the trigger on it. We, we don't, we just, we give it to him. When it came to the safety of our house, we give it to him. All that, that's living by faith. 
And that faith grows the longer you are, and it strengthens the longer you're in a relationship with God. And you and things happen in your life to where you learn, hey, I know God has it. I can trust him. You know, man, I've got episodes popping in my head for the future and just things in the past and, and everything. And that's not so easy. No. That trust and that faith is not easy. Right. It comes by, you know, as Peter puts it, as being like gold being tried in the fire in the furnace. And you are purified over time. And that faith gets stronger over time. As a couple, we wanted to start it off right. We dedicate the house, literally dedicate the bedroom, dedicate our lives, our potential family, all of that involving God. I think we even involved him like in the search for the dogs, maybe. I mean, like everything, like, Lord, give us the animals that we're supposed to have, the vehicles we're supposed to have. Uh, and we look at the neighbors. We have wonderful neighbors. You know, even people that were, were uh, that knew our family from eons past years ago literally just lived down the street. And um, it's, it's like this was not an accident that we ended up here. Mm-mm. But God led us to this point. And that is the beauty of being a Christian is because you're not out there as a, a lost trying to just find your way, putting your own wind in your sail. But when you're saved, God puts that wind in your sail and he directs you the path that he wants you to go. Every step is ordered. Yep. It's ordered. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. So um, I guess just to kind of sum up this episode, there's been adjustments that we've had to make. But by allowing God to be our captain and to lead us and guide us, those changes have honestly been easy. And we've made them. And we've been able to do them gracefully. And we're fine. And we put each other first. Yep. We're fine. I put you first. You put me first. And that way we're both covered. Mm-hmm. And when I say first, God is always first in our home. But people here on earth, I put you first. You put me first. Yep. That matters. That matters. So, I don't know. You got anything else? I'm good. I guess I don't really think we have too much else to, to add to it. I think we've, we've covered a little bit. Um, but... Anyway, um, if you all want to visit our Facebook, we actually have a Facebook, Beyond the Vow. You can look us up on Facebook, Beyond the Vow. The logo is the very same as what's on the episodes here. I'm not sure if I can. I think I said I would do the same thing in the last episode, but I will see if I can put a link to the Facebook in the description of the episode. So, um, and then you can come over and give us a like and you'll get all the updates. You can also give us suggestions of things you'd like to hear us discuss, Funny things or serious things, whatever you want, we can see what we can come up with. So, all right, I guess that wraps it up. All right, um, I guess uh, that that about does it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us and for uh, another episode. And we look forward to chatting at you again. All right, take care.